Welcome to the Dog Training Tips Podcast with your host, creator of the Dogmanship Training Academy, Heidi Hamilton. special guest this week. She is the CEO and founder of Canine Comprehension as well as an all-round amazing human. So welcome Sarah McDonald. Now I was going to do a little spiel about what Canine Comprehension is all about but I thought it's probably better to hear it straight from you. So tell us about what Canine Comprehension does and sort of how you started. Well, hi, Heidi. Thanks for the lovely introduction. All-round wonderful human being. That's great. I I used to be a high school teacher. I have a master's in education and I was working at a wonderful school and uh, enjoying the teaching part, enjoying the relationships with kids. But um, I became a statistic that I, I burnt myself out and wanted to take a break after my five-year mark at teaching. So um, instead of travelling or doing what normal people do when they take a break from their career, I became a dog trainer. I worked for a um, company, which is actually where I met you, Heidi, um, and became and was a dog trainer for a while, like full-time dog trainer, teaching dogs how not to annoy their owners, pretty much. And then um, while I was doing that, and i got to say, as a full-time dog trainer in, in what we were doing, it, it is fairly repetitive work. So it gave me an opportunity to think for my mind to sort of like wander and think about how I would, you know, change things with education. I kept, my mind kept moving back to kids, back to education. And so what kept dawning on me is that the dogs that we were seeing, um, when they were unable to learn was when their emotional needs weren't being met, when they were scared or when they were confused or when they hadn't been given a chance to understand. So, it's the same as our kids. Like we can have the best curriculum in the world and, and, and the best, the most interesting classes. But if our kids are coming to us with um, fear and with um, relationship problems that they're thinking about rather than the work, it doesn't matter how good the lesson is, the kid's not going to be able to, to learn. So that was sort of the, the seed of canine comprehension that I wanted to combine those two things really that in the end we're all just animals that um, will either um, freak out at fight flight or freeze if we're put in a situation that is very stressful and um, and so how do we skill up you do it full-time with dogs how do we skill up those animals to um, to be able to live in a world where sometimes you're scared, but what what can you do about that? And we, with canine comprehension, we do the same thing. So we work with kids um, with a lot of school refusal, a lot of anxiety around learning, kids who um, are not getting the most out of their community, could be connecting more, and we help them connect so then the teachers can do what they do best, which is deliver the lessons. Awesome. Amazing. And so how, when did you actually start Canine Comprehension? What year was that? Oh, that, it, it's a really, it's a hard question because Canine Comprehension, probably the, the, the thing before that was SAS Dogs, where it was just dog training. Yeah. Um, and I did it um, part-time to, um, to get some more income um, because 
um, I wanted to go away on holidays and things like that. <laughs> so, um, so I, I was a, a dog trainer outside of that as well. And then canine comprehension came up. Gosh, when were we working together, Hyde? It's been about 20, I think I started in 2016 with my own business. So I think it was about the same time for you. Yeah, yeah, it really was. Yeah, yeah. So because, you know, we, we were talking about how we get this, these things up on, up and going. So, yeah, I started Kana with wanting, always wanting to do the school stuff, but um, running puppy schools and doing dog training to keep the business financially going so I could keep <laughs> on working at knocking on the door of the Department of Education and Department of Health and Human Services. So that took a little bit. Um, <laughs> but now, now we're there. Now we're, yeah. we're interested. Kicking um, goals. Yeah. So how many, like how many dogs and humans do you have on the team now? Um, we have 10 tutors. Yep. Um, and probably then about 12, no, 15 dogs. Yep. Awesome. It's, it's hard to say because we've like COVID's really affected canon comprehension, obviously, when yeah. you've got a business that is very tactile and about kids not wanting to go to school and you stop kids going to school <laughs> <laughs> puts a bit of a spanner in the works it really does so so we can't wait to get back to it but but it has meant that our workforce has um sort of shrunk a little bit and i'm actually um in the process now of of rehiring so i'm doing interviews so yeah exciting so what would a team member like what would a, a dog and handler team do on like a day-to-day -day basis so our dog handler teams, we tell them that a full day is four sessions. A session goes for 50 minutes to an hour. And they can either be seeing a class um, for, to run a program, which is eight to 10 kids, not a full class, um, or individual students. So their schedule is arranged for them at the start of the term. And then they um, will get up in the morning, hopefully have a good breakfast and all relaxed and um, jump in the car with their dog and all of their resources and go to their first client. Their first client could be an individual. So they work with that client in that designated time and um, they work on um, predetermined learning goals. So all of those notes are already there for the tutor to know what yeah. they're working on. A lot of it is emotional regulation, following instructions, um, challenging themselves, problem solving, that sort yeah. of stuff. So they'll work on that and then they'll finish up, pack up, get back in the car, drive to the next place and um, do it all over all again. again. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. And so why do you think that it's beneficial? Because obviously there are lots of people who go into schools or offer therapy or, um, you know, work on these sorts of things and, and mental health in schools. Why do you think that it's so beneficial to do it with a dog rather than just a human? Yeah, look, um, I have worked with kids with dogs and without. And I'll always say that with a well-trained therapy dog is a whole lot better. We know that um, the, the benefits of relationship building um, for teachers and students is really important. If, if there's no relationship between the instructor and the instructee, it's gonna be harder to take on information. So the dog makes that 
relationship with the human easier. You'll know that if, if you own a dog yourself and you go to the park and people will talk to you and they'll talk to your dog and you probably learn all of the names of the dogs <laughs> and forget the names of the people, but you'll talk to the people too. <laughs> and, and if you go to a park without the dog, it's a very different experience. People aren't as open. You know, it, it, it's not like this solidarity. So when our tutors go into schools with the dogs, the kids want to make friends with the tutors because they, want, they don't really care too much about the tutors. They, they want the dog. <laughs> they, they want yeah. to make that relationship with the dog. And it allows the tutor to come along for the ride and do what they need to do to help the child connect. Yeah. So I guess it probably accelerates the process for the kids too, rather than like spending a really long time building that. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and we say in our initial meetings to clients, you know, it takes as long as it takes. It, it, it is hard to ask well, how long. We've worked with kids with, you know, severe OCD and, um, and, and who are, are very agoraphobic, won't go outside at all. And then, you know, they'll ask how long it takes. I would love to be able to say, look, this is going to be yeah, five weeks. Program. <laughs> exactly. And the kids yeah. are out and it happens every time. But what we do find is that we, uh, us and the, the client, the parents and the teachers, are always surprised that it takes less time than we thought, that yeah. the kid opens up more, that they start trusting more, that they get excited about seeing the dog. And then we start working on getting the kid back to school and taking the dog, and they're excited to show the dog to the student. So instead of being the school refuser who... Um, is missing out on a load of school and missing out on the social stuff, they come back in and they're a bit of a superstar because they can do tricks with this dog and all <laughs> yeah. the kids want to see them. Yeah. Um, so it puts them in a very different position and, um, and then that helps us do our job. So, yeah. If, you're, if you've got people who are already working in the field and they want to bring their dog in to, like, to start working with their dog as well, what sort of, is there certain temperament you're looking for is there certain like what sort of things would you be like this is a definite no no definite yes for dogs who are going to potentially be therapy dogs um this is an interesting area and then you would have said the, said the same thing i'm sure to your listeners with dog training that it is unregulated at the moment yeah. um which means that anyone who's got a dog can bring a dog into a school and um, I've written an article, which I'm happy to link to you, which goes into the details of um, the risk assessments that need to be done, the safety that needs to be done, the temperament and, and obedience training that needs to be done for people to know that it's safe. And you know what? It's more about not just the dog and their behaviour and their temperament, because that can change in an instant if something goes wrong, if a child screams or whatever. Yeah. It's about the handler being able to honestly and correctly identify their dog's behaviour and where their fear responses are and act accordingly. Yeah. Where mistakes can go wrong just even at the park is when people misinterpret their dog's behaviour. Yeah. So if you've got a handler who knows what they're honestly looking at and is ready to intervene accordingly, um, that's where you're going to get a lot more safety. Yep. When it comes to temperament, it does make a difference. Like my um, one of my older, now retired therapy dogs, Oscar, he, he loves kids. He, he just wants to show off for them. And kids feel that. So a, a love of people is really important. Yeah. And, um, oh, and a, a real simple one, and I know you've dealt with this, Savvy, 
they can't get car sick. We do yes. a lot of driving. <laughs> do a lot of driving in yeah. our um, in our job. And I know I've said people to you because they've done all this training and they they know everything. And the dog is still getting car sick, and they're like, "What am I going to do?" What a goo, so, yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Especially when they arrive, and then you're like, "All right, now it's time to work," and they feel a little bit Just yuck from the car, drool everywhere. And <laughs> yep. So oh, yeah, we yeah. we have to make sure we have to make sure that the dog is healthy and happy in their work environment as well. They can't join you union and complain so we have to be the advocate yeah and do you find that some dogs have more of a capacity um for work like some dogs at the end of the day are like pretty tired from the job yeah yeah yeah, uh, yes absolutely (laughs) and it really then depends on our tutors are employed on a casual basis and it really then um, often depends on how much work they do with us or how many dogs they have that they work for us yeah um because, yes, we have some dogs. Uh, we've got this amazing, um, we've got a few amazing Kelpies, but Reef comes to mind, the Kelpie, who it can just um, really bounce back very quickly. He's a Kelpie, so he's just like, yep, I'll go again. <laughs> got and the again energy and again. for it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And so his owner, allow, that, that allows his owner to not have to worry about his energy levels as much as somebody else with a dog who... And, and I had the same thing when, when I had Oscar working. By the end of the day, he, like, I'd ask him to do a high-energy thing. And if a dog could shrug their shoulders and just, you know, go, <laughs> I got nothing left, they would. So then that means that in my curriculum, uh, in my lesson, I have to make sure that I allow for that. If it's a hot day and it's the end of the day and my dog's not a 1,000% energy yeah. all the time <laughs> the beans, yeah. then yeah then we're gonna have to do more still exercises with the dogs yeah. so yeah yeah it's really about we have curriculum we have lesson plans but they're they're fairly packed so then we can pick different elements out of them that, that will respond best to our students and to how our dogs yeah. feeling yeah like i remember with bailey like obviously a big people lover <laughs> and would yeah. be a part of everything but like do one or two sessions and then he needed the afternoon to sleep. So like for yeah. a, a working dog, it wasn't that useful. Um, but, you know, for one or two sessions, he was perfect. So, yeah, I think it's it must be difficult to sort of balance that, finding, making sure the dog is enjoying the job as much as the person is enjoying the job as well because it's a pretty awesome job. <laughs> it, it is. For the right people, for the right dog um, and and shoot a combo it is it's a fantastic job um but yes you, you we have to make sure that um that the dog is enjoying it. and the dog the the dog will tell us or or we also we make sure that we put the dog in the best situations that they can so i've been doing um training with my staff about getting back into the workforce and um and one of them is how are we going to get the dogs who haven't been used to busy classrooms for such a long time used to that and just simple things like when you like do some clicker training and when the dog gets out of the car click and treat and when you know the bell rings and and the dog's like yeah 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 and make it easy for the give the dog things that they know they can get right so their confidence is built and and also everything you do talk it out with the kids tell them exactly what your plan is and why you're doing that because that's what you're also doing with the kids yeah and i'm sure going back into classrooms there's probably a lot of kids feeling the same like wow this is pretty overwhelming i've been in my house in lockdown for however long and now i'm in a big busy classroom with all these kids and navigating that again so it's probably pretty relatable for them too really 
Yeah, I think the tutors breathed a bit of a sigh of relief when I said, look, if your dog, they have an on their mat um, command. So yeah. the, if the dog chooses to go on their mat at any time, what the dog's saying is I need some time out and they're yeah. allowed to do that and they're allowed to get off their mat whenever they want. Um, so when the dog goes on their mat, and if the dog's gone straight onto their mat, that's an opportunity to say, okay, a little Fido here is feeling overwhelmed. He's, mm. you know, and, and, and to do exactly what you did there. Okay, kids, why do you think he's feeling that way? Yeah. What can we do about it? What, so we're identifying the, the issue. We're talking, we're using our emotional language to talk about what's going on there. And then yeah. we're, we're talking about what we can do about it. So whether it's just giving him time or uh, working on different skills like mindfulness or changing the subject and getting him to do something positive. Yeah. Um, so it means the dog's not a performing monkey. They're a feeling animal and that we're, it, they're there for us to sort of be a reflection of our own emotions. Yeah, yeah. And um, we've also been talking about, um, we've had a few questions inside the Dog and Chip Training Academy recently, just about when we go out at the moment, because we've all been in lockdown, we can feel anxious too, you know, like going out, like even just being close to people again. And, you know, for whatever reason, whether it's social anxiety or whether it's worried about getting sick, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah, and so a lot our fear. dogs are going to be definitely picking up on that too. So for us too, I think it's important to acknowledge that how we're feeling is going to reflect on them as well. Yeah. yeah. And I think not being so hard on ourselves, like yeah. to, to, yes, to identify it and just sit in with that feeling for a yeah. while and, and then, some leeway, some time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And dogs, yeah. Yeah. And so if your dog, you know, is being, over over rambunctious that that you know oh gosh they weren't doing that before lockdown and those sort of things well there's reasons you know yeah. we're acting slightly different as well maybe we can't have you know a really long lead on our dogs during that time or we can't go to certain places for a long time because they're overstimulated and that's fine we'll get back there yeah but it takes it takes some steps it takes some process and yeah. it's the same with us you yeah. know we're People do get um, anxious when they're going back into schools. And I think that's absolutely fair enough. Yeah. But we'll yeah. get through it. We'll get through yeah. it. Awesome. All right. Let's finish up with a training tip for our listeners to take away. Okay. I'm, I'm assuming you teach boundaries yes. and a drop command. Yes. <laughs> I say to, so we train people to, to become tutors and so if they've got a background in education or social work or um, have worked with kids in a mental health capacity um, they can come work for us even if they don't have a animal assisted therapy we will help them do the training with that, that. yeah and what we do a lot of is teaching boundaries and drop if you've got so if you've got those two solid um, it, it can it can cover a load of other um, behavioral <laughs> issues yeah which i would say of course to keep working on but in the meantime if i if i'm working with my kids and you know, i have to focus on the young humans instead of the dog turning around and being able to say to my dog drop and their, their belly actually hitting the ground and me not having to think about it is just so invaluable, so invaluable it, yeah it doesn't happen overnight but just you know to and look Heidi, you know, you have kids and I'm sure, you, you, you know, you've been in the stage where everything's going at once and if you can get, get the dogs to either hold their boundaries so they're back somewhere so they're not running around and, um, and then Absolutely. you can settle things back down. So, 100%. yeah, it's always the simple things. It's like the tricks are great and they're, um, 
you, you, you know, all, all of the fun stuff is really yeah. good. And of course, it's wonderful when your dog doesn't pull on the lead and, and, and all of that's worth getting to. But yeah, drop and, and yeah. to hold a boundary. Absolutely. Is, I always say if you can focus on your drop and boundaries, it has like an indirect effect on everything else. Like all of a sudden it's an energy shift. Like everything changes, the relationship changes. And I also find that um, like if I've got, say, say we've seen somebody when their dog's a puppy and we've said, make sure you focus on your, your drop and your boundaries. And for whatever reason, they don't. Life gets in the way or whatever. At 18 months old, I can always pick, you know, like they definitely did their drop and boundaries and they definitely did it because you can see it in the dog's yeah. behaviour in other areas, even outside of those particular skills. Absolutely. And, and it is a question of consistency as well. Consistency is one of these things in dog training that is often talked about but not understood. If you consistently practice badly or you're consistently reinforcing the wrong thing, then you've got a dog who will consistently do that. But... I can't provide my, my dogs who work for me with a consistent environment. They're going to different schools. They're going to residential care units. They're going to houses. They're going to libraries. So that can't be consistent. What can be consistent is wherever you go, mate, I'm going to set up a boundary so you can go, okay, the place is different, but the language is the same. Think about if you've ever been overseas and yes. how much easier it is straight away to be somewhere where the language is the same. I, I, okay. I, I, I can understand a little bit of this, yes, you know. Yeah. Oh, so the 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 owner, the conversation I'm having with my dog is the same, even if my environment changes. Yeah, and I, I always that's say important. that's what makes travel fun and not stressful. Is if you can kind of understand what's going on and where you are, like you're not freaking out. Definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And then you can go, and then like my dog, the, the dogs who work for me can. Um, can do all of this amazing work or, you know, if you've got your dog at home and you're thinking of finally, you guys are getting out of lockdown soon, which would be wonderful. <laughs> finally, you know, just even traveling 20 kilometers or down the beach <laughs> or wherever, um, having those, um, those language points that the dog understands those expectations, then it just, yeah, it makes it easier. And we've taken our dogs to Western Australia. We've taken them to Tasmania. I know you, gosh, you've been everywhere with yours. <laughs> Um, and it means more adventures. It means more freedom. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So if people want to find out more or get in touch, where can they find you? Yeah, so the best place to go is to our website, which is canine comprehension, spell out canine, the old English teacher in me, C-A-N-I-N, <laughs> comprehension.com.au. Uh, we're also on Facebook and Instagram. Um, on on there, you've, we've got contact forms and those sort of things. Awesome. As I've said, we are employing at the moment. So if you're interested, <laughs> drop me a we line. Know where to go? <laughs> or um, and we're we're taking bookings uh, for next year now. So it's exciting. Awesome. And for me, if you want to find me, you can find me at dogmanshiptraining.com. If you do want to find out more about teaching the drop and boundaries that we've been talking about, you can grab my free introductory workshop. So that's at dogmanshiptraining.com forward slash free, or you can find me on Facebook and Instagram also as Dogmanship Training. Thank you so much for being here today. I know you're flat out right now trying to get everybody back in schools now that we're allowed to. Mm -hmm. So thank you for making the time for us. And thank you for all you do and for all your amazing staff because you're really making a huge difference. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, Heidi. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.